Tax day is coming. Oh, no. But if you sign up for Robinhood Gold's IRA with a 3% match, you can get up to $195 for the 2023 tax year. Oh, yeah. Sign up at Robinhood.com slash Boost by Tax Day to get the biggest contribution match on the market. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And welcome to the Terrace Podcast After Dark. My name is Craig Cairns, and joining me for Monday's look back on the weekend's action is Tom Watt. How are you doing, Tom? Very good, thanks. And yourself? Yeah, pretty good, mate. Pretty good. Uh, still, still getting over this cold. Uh, almost there, but uh, so yeah, you're gonna have to put up with my nasally or lack of lack lack of nasally voice. Um, I don't know. That doesn't make any fucking sense. Let's just <laughs> let's just move on. We are going to go over the games from the weekend. There were, of course, the Premier Sports Cup semi-finals, which we'll look at first before turning our attention to the league games. Let's start, Tom, with an astonishing match at Hamden on Sunday, where Hibs ran out three-one winners against Rangers. A Martin Boyle first half hat trick. Scott Arfield got a consolation. And I know that there's much has been made about the Rangers being between two managers, but we'll get to them later. Um, it was Hibbs's day. It was a, a brave setup from Jack Ross. He went with Josh Campbell. He went attacking. He took the game to Rangers. He got his rewards. He just got it spot on on the day. Yeah, absolutely. And and. It certainly felt like some of the frustrations of the last few weeks and some of the, the criticisms that they've had and, and you know not being able to play for the last couple of weeks were taken out um, were taken out on Rangers uh, uh, and they were let off the leash because they I mean they went at Rangers from the first minute and um, within the first three minutes there was two bookings and you thought this is gonna this is gonna be tasty this is gonna be one of those games. Uh, you know, when we're eight versus ten or something like that at the end of it, but Hibs were aggressive in a good way. They um, 
they pegged Rangers back. They were, like you say, they were they were adventurous with the with their setup. Um, Nisbet and, and and Boyle were like right on, pretty much playing right on the uh, uh, Rangers uh, centre back pairing, and it just didn't let up for that first half. I mean, it was it was three one and it was a slack bit of defence from Ramportis to let uh, Rangers. Slight, leave the door slightly ajar at half time, but it could have easily been been four. It, it it was clinical. It was aggressive. The pace at which they were playing was the kind of pace that we saw Rangers really doing last season, um, and they made them look. Hibs made Rangers look very very ordinary. Um, Joe Newell had a very very good game. Jake Hayes had a very very good game. Chris Cadden had a very very good game. Um, a, a, a few players that I think probably were due one after the, the the kind of downturn in form before they had their kind of enforced absence. Um, but no, incredibly impressed with him. Um, I, I did not see this coming. I thought that um, I thought that, that the, there'd be a bit of ring rustiness, but it, there wasn't at all. They they went for the throat. Yeah, you're totally right. I mean, uh, although we should know better, because as uh, you've mentioned before, the Rangers have a history of this now, a history of losing bottling cups. But the, the one one of the players that we have to single out is clearly Martin Boyle, and I think I think on Sunday we saw every aspect of Martin Boyle's game, how good he is in the build up for Hibs how great he is as an option, offering himself uh, for the midfielders, for through balls, things like that, winning a penalty. How many times did he do that? Scoring the penalty. It was just it was just a quintessential Martin Boyle performance. Yeah, there, there is now so much to his game. Um, and there's new things that he just seems to be, just like tiny little tweaks that he seems to be making every season. Like he, he is the best attacking player outside of the old firm um, in the league by a fair stretch. Um, but like he's, he's dangerous from distance. He gets in behind, he can turn his man. Like he's got electric pace. His, his delivery is better than it. I think a couple of seasons ago when it, it was maybe a little hit or miss. Um, yeah, he draws fouls. He plays off the shoulder, uh, and he did all of that. Like he absolutely tortured the the Rangers backline, and they didn't know what to. They, they didn't really know what to do with him. And when he's playing like that, it, it is a it is a challenge. You know, do you push up close to him? In which case, you give away a lot of fouls. And the minute he turns you, then he he's away and he's in behind. Or did, if they try and sit off him, he was like floating into channels and and drawing players out of position. Um, yeah, a, a, an all round, pretty much perfect, perfect game from him. Um, and when he plays like that, there's, there's not an awful lot that you can do. It, it for considering where he was last season, and yes, the Hibs have fallen off a little bit in the last few weeks. Considering how good he was last season, there's almost been the same amount of for me. There's almost been the same amount of improvement in him individually, not in the the rest of his teammates necessarily. Between you know the end of nineteen twenty to twenty twenty one, as there has been in the the same period again, um, and you know Tony uh, Anderson of this this. Parish said in, in the chat he cannot believe no one spent 50, uh, 500 grand on him 
six months ago because what an absolute steal that would have been. I mean, he's still only 28. And for a player of that ability who causes that many problems and still has an awful lot of football in him, for him to be available for a club you know, down south or, or elsewhere for a, a snip when he's... You know, there's players that are going for 10 times that that, that are not nowhere near as good as he is. Yeah, just a, a sort of proper superstar performance from Ryan Porteous, though, we have to give him a mention. You mentioned his mistake, but that side, he was absolutely fantastic. And not only on the pitch was he brilliant, he got that dig in at Gerard at the end, which is fantastic. Yeah, uh, service, services to Patter um, at the end that just... <laughs> Uh, like and he loves these games. Like he's had he's had to put up with a lot of stick. He's had to be, you know been sent off. He's had to put up with an awful lot of scrutiny around his performances in that. And the the only real mistake that the, there was one late on in the game and, and Connor Goldson should have scored for for Rangers. But like that, we all know that he has these mistakes in him, and occasionally he he's prone to them. Still very young remains to be seen whether he'll iron that out of his game but that mistake aside and from that point didn't put a foot wrong and everything that was good about his game you know like stepping out breaking into the midfield having a like a, a surprising range of passing all of that was was on show didn't like didn't break lines wasn't suckered into anything didn't get involved um so yeah and you can see that he he clearly relishes the these 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 games with a bit of edge to them and um to like to to know what's coming when you do an interview a post-match interview like that and to still fancy doing it yeah it was it was subtle and it was it, it could easily have been like eye roll but it was it was funny I guess you didn't pick up on it at first as well that was why she tweeted about it later but at first you didn't pick up on it and she was like yeah it's a fairly reasonable question <laughs> or something yeah. like that. But yeah, they couldn't even hear her because the Hibs fans were going that nuts. It looked, uh, the celebrations at the end were brilliant. We should, however, talk about Rangers. Um, it was just one of the most lacklustre performances I've seen from Rangers in a long time. And not only that, I felt, don't want to be too harsh on uh, David McCallum. He's been given a, a thankless task there. I mean, he's not only does he not have the credentials, he's been thrown in in a difficult situation. I mean, even Murty, Murty, <laughs> coincidentally contracted COVID and then left the club uh, <laughs> in the week that uh, I think it was like well before and after the game. Uh, I mean, I'm sure that actually all happened. I'm, I'm just joking there, but yeah, this guy has been thrown into the thrown at the deep end. Couldn't get a much bigger game to to just have as a one-off so you don't want to be too critical of him but I felt that Rangers' lineup was very he went with the stalwarts he went with the the experience I think rather than the the best team or the team to win the game it was a it was a you you would be hard pushed to pick a Rangers team that's kind of stodgy um, it, it's there, there's so much creativity in that team there's so much creativity there's best in the midfield there's so much energy in the midfield to find uh, to, to set up the team that manages to blunt that is is kind of good going I mean and I don't think it was just that I think there were an awful lot of performers that like 
Connor Goldson and Liam Balligan, who have both been excellent this season, the last couple of seasons, had really, really poor games. Stephen Davis had a really poor game. Um, Ryan Kent had a had a really poor game. There were there were too many performers there that just didn't didn't turn up. But the midfield, especially with Kamara, Arfield, uh, and Davis, just didn't seem didn't seem balanced. Didn't seem to get a grip. Um, especially the pace that that Hibs were playing at never really seemed to be in in any kind of control over over it. And even in the games when I mean, it's, it's fair to say that this season Rangers haven't hit the heights. They've conceded first, or they've they've had their scares. Uh, you know, still top of the league, still the at time of current time of recording the best team in the country. But even in those games, you felt that they've got had enough control over the centre of the park, especially that it will only be a matter of time before something drops for them. And you never got that impression here. You never got the impression that they were going to impose their will on, on anything that was, that was going on. The, so, I mean, the, the, the starting 11 was stodgy. The, the substitutions were far too late. I mean, fair enough, three, one down, you could argue that it was far too late to do anything anyway, but it didn't change the shape. It didn't like at one point, I think having, Certainly, four, maybe even five, recognised central midfield players on the setting on the midfield park. players. Yeah, yeah. At, at once, at a point when, yes, you're three-one down, but you're Rangers. You 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 make it three-two, and you make it nervous against that. You know, Hibs have also got previous for for not necessarily dealing with lots of pressure late on. When Arfield puts that goal in right after they've gone three 0 up. That's when you start to think, well, if anybody's going to fuck this up, it's going to be Hibs. Hibs, like you say, that I mean Hibs. I mean, I know there's plenty of other teams that would as well, but like, Hibs do have previous of doing this kind of thing as well. So, yeah, it wouldn't have been a stretch for a Rangers team to play poorly for 84 minutes, score their second one, then and then put pressure on for the rest of the game. And then there was five minutes at the injury time as well. And that's that's largely what Rangers have done this season is. For in almost every game that I've seen them, they've been mediocre for the equivalent of a half for 45 minutes. Not always continuously, but there's been games they've been absolutely battered for 20 minutes, and maybe they're only a goal behind. But they've they've got quality in the team. They've they've got a number of creative players. They've got a lot of goal threats. They've got huge strength and depth on the bench. And at some point, you you always get the feeling that you know the momentum will will shift, and it doesn't need a huge shift in momentum for the opposing team to kind of think, right? We what 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 do we do now? And I think that was one of the more surprising elements of it is Rangers had no right to to have a way back into that game after the the, the first half that they'd had. Um, they had no right to only be two goals behind. They'd been comprehensively battered and, and outplayed but to get to halftime and think well you know if we will get a chance and to not go on the front foot in the second half not to make changes not to not to be a little bit more aggressive with with forcing a game plan on, on Hibs was very uncharacteristic of the way that they've been 
so far, well, in the last sort of two years, really. Um, and I think that will be the the that will be a, a big worry. I think the bigger worry, as a new manager comes in, it were the like post match interviews, and the feeling that, and this is not to say it will be, but the feeling that there is a there is a that Van Bronckhorst has got a huge job on his hands to fill a big personality shaped hole. That like the, the players obviously got behind Gerard. The players obviously bought into him. There were an awful lot of players there that were only there because of who, who Stephen Gerrard was. Um, and the interviews afterwards where it just felt defeatist. It felt the, the Goldson's comments, I think it was Goldson's comments just about never really feeling like we're... There, it was worse to the effect of, you know, we never really felt like we were going to get back into this, which just seems so unlike... The Rangers team of the last two years, and and I get the impression, and I, again, not privy to any special information of this, but maybe Gerard's move was on the cards for a little bit. Maybe that was one of the reasons things have been a little flat for a wee while. But the manner of that departure and the fact there has been a great big gaping hole in their preparation and in the in the personality in the dressing room that's something that's going to need to be addressed quite quickly. Um, I think that's that's the bigger problem for this season because Rangers have been beaten. They've been beaten. They've been outplayed at different points of the season. They've been outthought at different points of the season. Um, but they've never downed tools. And I think not to take anything away from Hibs who just put them under the cosh and they had no response to it. But on... On Saturday, Rangers down tools. Yeah, and as Richard Goff said on the radio, mm-hmm. Rangers are a club founded on no surrender. So it's strange to see them capitulate like that. Let's move to the second, or the first actually, semi-final, but the second one that we're going to cover, and that was Celtic 1, St Johnston 0. Uh, James Forrest goal after coming on as substitute. Not quite as much incident to speak of in this match Tom, but it looked like Jota, who ended up getting man of the match, it looked like he was going to have the game wrapped up in the first 20 minutes. Yeah, he just kept doing... He kept beating people and then beating them again. And then it was like playing a 14-year-old at FIFA or something like that. Just like, just fuck off and stop. (laughs) Stop (laughs) doing tricks. Just score and get over with. Stop. I don't need the piss ripped out of me. Um, he was brilliant. Um, just was getting on the end of things. Was was kind of playing between the lines. Was stretching things. Yeah, he he had. He's really growing in stature. Though I think every every time I've seen him in the last sort of six weeks, he's been slightly better than he was before. And um, yeah, seems to be really finding his feet. Um, it was a weird game in the sense that when we did the preview of this, when I did the preview of this game with Tony last week, and um, thought it would be quite quite a stodgy game, St. Johnson would make life difficult. Um, I thought Celtic would win. I thought they would win by a goal. And I'm not just trying to pile masses amounts of praise on myself, but we kind of called it. The only difference being that 
I think when the, the St Johnson side, uh, like either a fully a, a full complement of St Johnson players or the St Johnson side of last season, would maybe have taken one of the chances that they had. Celtic going forward are a force at the moment. They're pretty terrifying, uh, and Jota and Forrest, if he's getting back to to um, full fitness, and Furashi and, and Turnbull, they're incredibly good footballers. Um, so you get them in full flow, they're, they're going to cause all sorts of problems. The insistence on playing out the, from the back, the slight hesitancy in closing things down around, you know, 20 yards out and still being susceptible to, to um, at set pieces was kind of what we identified that person Johnson might get, might get some joy. I think they, they did get a little joy. They just didn't really have the, confidence maybe or the, the a couple of players being injured to to be able to to really inflict any like really properly worry Celtic with the exception of um Joe Hart taking about 20 minutes to clear a ball rolled across his own uh, goal mouth I think that was probably the most dangerous most dangerous point uh, so yeah I mean I think Celtic thoroughly deserved it they played some exhilarating football in parts. I still think their biggest worry is at the moment, they seem like when you were 14 years old and the best player on your team injured his ankle and decided he's going to go in goals um, just to play. So he's he's all right. He's just not really a goalie. Yeah. So, yeah. But no, Celtic thoroughly deserved it. Um, St. Johnston just... That's that's the first time they've lost a cup competition since March 2020. Yeah, I know it's pretty inc- it's pretty incredible. I just feel that, uh, to go back to something you were saying there about them uh, finishing's just been their issue all season, hasn't it? Um, no matter who's fit, really. And you can see the the few opportunities that they do get, they make their own decision or they don't execute it well enough. The 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 Vertinen one when he comes on towards the end, he just doesn't play the right ball in. That you should, and yeah, that's just that's just kind of been their issue. That they're a solid enough side. Other than that, they don't concede a lot of goals. They are close in many matches, and it's I don't know. In many ways, it's the same old story for St Johnston because they they start season poorly almost every every year, uh, and then get it together. This one feels like it's going on a a little bit longer. And I know while there's no shame. In being double cup holders and going out at the semi-final the next season, it still is a longer trend of them failing to find the net. Uh, it, is, it is becoming a, a, a real issue for them. But to go back to Celtic, um, mentioned at the, the start of this discussion, James Forrest got the, the winner. It's great to see him score in making his way back into the team it's been a long time it's been a long battle back from injury for him it has I mean and not just for Celtic obviously for, for Scotland as well another another attacking goal threat and we don't have an awful lot enough of them um, I, I mean on his day James Forrest is arguably the, or certainly has been at different points in the last few seasons going back probably three seasons was Celtic's best attacking player um, he's not managed to get a run of games for a very long time 
Um, you know, so if they can get him back fit and they are able to incorporate him back into what's looking like a fairly ominous attacking line, sort the defence out either with a signing or two in, in January or Julian coming back in and, and showing things up a little bit, then they've got the makings of a decent, uh, of a very, very decent side. Um, no, I think it, it would be good if, from a Scotland perspective, obviously, if they can manage Forrest's return, he, he's, he's, I think I'm right saying he's come on, he's got sort of 20 minutes here or there for the last handful of games. You no, know, he, he got half an hour against uh, Dundee before the international break, and he was came on in the Ferenc Varos game and got a run out as well so if they can kind of manage his manage his return a, a little bit so that if he can get the remainder remainder of the season because he has had this kind of stop start over the last what seems like maybe the last 18 months or so then a huge player for Celtic and for Scotland Special mention for that Craig Brighton block but also Joe Hart how has Joe Hart managed to get so many clean sheets this season when he seems to have like a a brain fart a game? I I I don't know. I Celtic have four goalkeepers. I don't think any of them are good and I don't think Joe Hart's the best of them. But the the that, defense has been there's been obviously been question marks about their defense as well quite rightly yeah. and uh, some some of it's down to just how the aggressive way that they play. How how are they still getting as many clean sheets as they're getting? I mean, the, the only explanation I can give it is that Joe Hart's brain farts, Joe Hart's brain farts, that says like a song by the fall or something, um, they are so unpredictable and inexplicable, they don't always end up with a goal. Sometimes it's like he swings at it and it hits his wrong foot and it goes out for a throw-in or something. It's it's not like the predictable stuff where he comes and he punches and it goes into his own net. It's that like he he clown cars it in a way that you cannot possibly expect. So it, it it's you know there's the saying that like if a goalkeeper makes a mistake, it's much worse than if a striker makes a mistake because it always ends up with a goal. Joe Hart's mistakes don't seem to. They seem to regularly end up with like it clips the outside of the post or. He slices it and it falls to the feet of Anthony Ralston, who just happened to be in the right place at the right time. Um, he's had a couple, but I think the ones that he's, the real howlers, he's got away with so far. But there'll be a couple before the end of the season, absolutely. Let's hope so. Let's, I've just remembered that Darren McGregor pass back as well, but we're not we're not talking about that game anymore. <laughs> um, Okay, so next month Hibs will take on Celtic in the final of the Premier Sports Cup. We'll move on now to the league matches which took place on Saturday. The first of those that we're going to cover was at Tannadice where Dundee United beat Aberdeen by a goal to nil. I think we should start with the obvious, Tom. Um, This is an ongoing police incident after a 35-year-old man was arrested and charged. But we can talk about the referee's response to it. I yeah. think that people are correct in saying that it was the letter of the law applied there and he isn't wrong to give him a booking. 
but he also well in that sense he's not wrong but he also has the power to show discretion and not do it but there has been I don't know if you heard it just before we came on air on Sports Sound and I don't know whether this completely changes things but Daryl Broadfoot said that the linesman actually told Bobby Madden that he saw something and it turns out he got it wrong he thinks that Ojo had pushed the fan uh, there's there's so much about this that's frustrating like not just and I, I, I could talk for 40 minutes about this as well on its own because I'm a fan and it would it have made a difference to the game who knows because Aberdeen were pretty rotten um, we're not particularly creative unless Ryan Hedges was running at at the at, at United there wasn't an awful lot that was going to come but 50 minutes against 10 men who knows you've certainly got a, more of a chance but any opposition team for this to happen to it, like it's just it's incredibly frustrating I don't buy that I don't buy that it was something that came from the um I mean, Daryl will know more than me and be better connected than me. But if that's what he's been told, I'm sure that's that's what he's been told. But I, it just doesn't make sense to me because if he's pushed the fan, then I don't think he would give him a second booking. Exactly. Um, I think it would be a straight red card. I don't even think necessarily like if it's leave if it's if it's being booked for leaving deliberately leaving the pitch. Players do that to get the ball back every single game. They jump the hoardings. They, they like that. But he was already off the pitch because of his momentum he, he, as well. So he was already he, over the hoardings because of exactly, that. Exactly. His, his, his momentum had taken him over the hoardings. It's completely innocuous. Some dickhead pushes him. And rather than Allegedly. there being. Some dickhead pushes him. <laughs> We've got the Veritas um, defense. <laughs> uh, we'll. we'll the the, the uh, is, it, is he an alleged dickhead or is it an alleged push? I don't know. I'll take it up with my lawyers. But. <laughs> Somebody, um, there's the incident, and rather than rather than like re- rather than react to it, it takes like an awful lot of restraint not to do anything. And I, frustrated at that, frustrated so frustrated at the incident, frustrated as a supporter that you think you know Calvin Butcher's gone and done something daft and got himself sent off. We've got a good chance of winning this now because we're they, but. Within three minutes, Bobby Madden decides to to level it up. If Bobby Madden didn't see it, and the, there there's still a big the, the big question mark for me remains: Why was Stephen Glass sent off at half time? Because presumably he said something or something words were said to that effect. We kind of need to know what was said there, because that would give an awful lot of context to the event uh, to to events as well. Stephen Glass so, said so that, after the game that he said he was saying something to his assistant who was in the ear of Madden at the time. He said he went over to, because you see him push his coach away from the referees. Mm. And Stephen Glass said after the match that he said something to his coach, which was interpreted by Madden as questioning his integrity. And that's why he was sent off. Because I was actually surprised when Glass appeared in the stand for the second half because... It looked like Glass was going about at halftime being peacemaker. 
he was going over his own players and saying, right, get in. And then he was going over his coaching and said, get away from the referee. So it looked like he was being peacemaker. So I, I was surprised when he was got sent off. But that, that, that was what Glass said after the game, that something he has and, said has been interpreted. And and his comments after the game, I mean, they, they frankly, they have disappointed me as well, that he was like, oh, he, Ojo knows that he shouldn't have reacted and he feels like he's let his teammates down or words to that effect, which don't sit with the idea that he was angry enough to say something to something to someone to get sent off and absolutely were not the case like that you need to defend your your player in that instance there's no way that they can rescind the the booking apparently and mm-hmm. um, so he is going to sit out sit, sit that out so I, and i've tried to sort of leave this aside as a sort of as a supporter and in the cold light of day it's incredibly disappointing that losing Losing the game and losing the game to the only bit of real quality in the in the match should come to that. Like Hearts' goal was great. It yeah, was, it was a lovely bit of improvisation. Great season he's having. He's having a fantastic season. Um, there was a sense that that would happen because that's just the way that Aberdeen seasons has been going. But but daft stuff like this just keeps happening. This is definitely the daftest. Um. And I don't know what you do. I don't know what, like, I don't know what, what, what happens from it. What, who? There, there's no consequences really. We've got to kind of go. And and Ojo's actually been one of the better players this season. That's not saying much, but he has been one of the better performers. He's been a versatile. Whenever he's been asked to fill in in different roles, he's done mm-hmm. it well. He's been, uh, and so you know, disappointed in the disappointed the in the. The incident disappointed the United to be honest in not saying something in their statement apologising to the player because I think that you know Tam Courts came out of the racism incident uh, alleged racism incident at Ross County very well very different things uh, altogether but I think there is a duty of care to the players that come to you and I don't mean in the sense like there's assaults and assaults you know he wasn't smashed in the face with something but it's still just stupid and shouldn't happen. It was quite, it was, it was quite a, a violent push a though. Yeah, it yeah, was I mean, quite a violent push. And then, I don't know, you don't want to get into like hypotheticals with these things, but it, it, it wasn't, yeah, I know what you're saying, there's assaults, but it was, a, it was a push to the point where it was an assault rather than just a kind of get away or a, yeah, exactly, yeah, it, it rather than a brush it off. It wasn't lighthearted, it wasn't, mm-hmm. and it's just it, it, so yeah it, it's been it's frustrating that there, there will be I would I've always liked the idea that referees could at least come forward and say why what they saw and, and, and give some shine, shine a light on why decisions were made I think it would be great for trust I think it would be great for you know it would be great entertainment if nothing else but also it would humanise them a little bit and especially when there's incidents like this where you just kind of want to know what he saw or who he heard from, or if it was just, you know, I, I would be more inclined to say, okay, fine. It was an honest mistake. He thought he thought he saw something or he thought than what it seems like, which I'm fighting every urge to just feel like he a fudge. He thought he thought he saw something and fudged it. Um, I, yeah, but to talk about the game for a little bit, um, it just seemed another game where Aberdeen had a lot of the ball and they couldn't do much with it. Um, it's just been the same old story for quite a lot of matches this season for Aberdeen. And 
it was another game. I suppose it was quite quite the contrast to their their previous match, but in general, their defence has held quite firm this season. Dundee United and they brought on Apri and changed their shape a little bit in the second half, and that that gave them real impetus. I, I, in fact, I think was it his kind of was it him that robbed? It was certainly him that ran through and uh, won the corner, but I can't remember if it was him that had robbed Longstaff of the ball. Mm-hmm. I think it was. No, they were they were resolute. Their defense was good. They had a lot. They had a lot of threat coming from um, the um, from McMahon. I thought he he had a very good game on the left hand side. They, I mean, they were there was a there was a sense when they went down to ten that there was a there was a brief minute of panic as there might have been, but then from the second half they were very settled and. Um, they just they knew their roles better. I mean, there there are mitigating there are some mitigating circumstances for why Aberdeen have been so bad defensively. They finished the game with Scott Brown, uh, Dean Campbell, and I think it was just Scott Brown and Dean Campbell actually the back the centre back pairing. There's been such bad, such such bad defensive problems, but Dundee United knew that the players looked like they knew what they were doing. They looked like they played together. They looked like they had some form of of chemistry and um, yeah, they they were compact when they needed to, and they had they they had an outball. They they were they kind of gave up possession a little cheaply in the first half, I think, um, but were a little bit more direct in the second and and were able to break, um, which made them dangerous. There was the feeling, I think. It, yeah, there was almost a feeling when they when they scored that that was coming. Okay, I think we should move on from there and let's go to Fir Park, where Motherwell beat Hearts two 0 Hearts, after starting the season away from home fairly well, have gone right back into the form that they've had for about a decade now. Goals from Connor Shields and from Ricky Lamy were enough to take the points for Motherwell, who are only. Three points behind Hearts now. It's been a it's been a weird old season for Motherwell where they've kind of just gone between the two extremes. Yeah, I can't can't make my mind up about them at all. I mean, I started the season and I thought they would be fighting for a playoff place. I didn't think there was an awful lot of creativity in that team. Um, they'd lost proven goal scorer. There was the the transfers that had come in didn't necessarily look like they were going to do much and even as even sort of four or five weeks ago I thought that you know right now they've had a bad run now they're you know they'll get sucked back into things but they're not they've they've been resolute look defensively solid I still don't think there's a huge amount of creativity in that team but they're very hard to break down their midfield works really really hard they they work hard right the way throughout and from, from back to front and there's players who have adapted to the, the, the there's, there's almost like players that have adapted to new positions I mean like Beavis McGavy McGavy has must have played six different roles for Motherwell in the last 18 months and is now a roving right back keeping Scotland International Stephen O'Donnell <laughs> 
yeah, I, I just thought uh, Connor Shields is one person that needs to be singled out for this performance as well. I mean, I, in fact, to pick up on something you said first, um, when it doesn't work, it feels like their attack can just be a bit cut off from the rest of the team. I think that has been the one area where he's struggled the most, I think, and that's his the centre of his midfield. Um, they still kind of need a number ten in there. I think they, I think they've got one lined up, haven't they? I can't remember. Is another Scandinavian or something? They've got they've got lined up to come in, but it does seem to be the what what they what they're kind of missing for. I know he doesn't like to set up with a number ten, but to give them that kind of option or to he just doesn't seem to have a creative the most the most creative midfield. He doesn't have that kind of. David Turnbull type guy that can play either as a ten or can play as one of the play as one of the three. But he, what he got, what he gets out of Goss, Maguire, and Slattery, as you you said, is he they dig, they fight hard, and Goss gives them set pieces. He gives them that set piece delivery, which he's just worth having in the team for for that alone. It seems, but um, yeah, Connor Shields. I think we should talk about. He was like his pace and movement. As well as his Harry, and that was a big part of their game plan was to Harry Hearts, and he he caused Hearts issues all afternoon. He scored one. He pulled out an absolutely amazing save from uh, Craig Gordon at point blank. What made it even more amazing it was uh, the second of a double save. And then you've already mentioned Bagabi. I was going to single him out. I thought Woodley was very good as well, and uh, Ricky Lamy also had a, a great game. Who's a player who? I mean, sometimes he's just absolutely fantastic, and there's other times he just looks like a a complete huddy. But yeah, their, their pressing was relentless. They created so many chances. I mean, it's, it's probably the best performance of the season from them, and I'm not going to pretend that I've watched every Motherwell game this season, but I'm struggling to think of one where they've where they've played where they've created that much and they've dominated that much, and and seemed that comfortable as well. I think. Um... Yeah, they've they've been kind of hot and cold, more hot than they have cold, and they've had they've managed to put runs together. Um, but yeah, I think you might be right. I can't necessarily think of another game where they were they were as as they were both efficient and managed to keep Hearts at arm's length. And there wasn't, I don't think there was any particular point when you thought they'd lost control of this game, Um, which is maybe something, and yeah, which is maybe something that they they haven't had even in the games that they've won. They've they've, they've nicked wins here and there and they've won matches by working harder than the opposition. I don't think, and I don't mean that as a, as any kind of insult. I think they're, there is not a huge amount of natural width in the team. There's not a huge amount of natural flair in the team, but there's, like you said, there's there's great deliveries from set pieces. There's there's a lot of teamwork. There's a lot of off the ball uh, that goes on. But yeah, this was as complete a performance as they've had this season. And Hearts were just completely outfought and outplayed on the day. I know that there's some people that want to play up the physical and the gamesmanship elements not a no no less than Robbie Nielsen has been a wee bit sounding a wee bit like he's got sour grapes after the game but uh oh wait that's not the right expression is it just he sounds like a bit of a bad loser he's kind of he's he's um denouncing the 
the horrible tactics from Motherwell from time wasting and all that kind of stuff but for me Motherwell were better at that stuff yes and the physical side of the game but they just played a lot better as well They were, just, and that was the main thing that was the main reason that they won the game is because they played better not because they time wasted better um, final match St Mirren won Livingston won now we were supposed to have a third person on today they were at this game and that was kind of going to take care of quite a lot of the detail of this match so apologies to fans of those supporters we just had a wee couple of issues um, we won't, I'm sure we'll make it up to you in the in the, in the future I, th- I think I was maybe going to say we'll make it up to you in the past there that, that that's where my head is at the moment that's how feverish I've been over the last few days um, but this match I had this one on, on in the background while I was watching the Dundee United Aberdeen game and from what I could tell not much at all happened in the first half not much happened across the course of the game but it had <laughs> two of the best goals you'll see all season two exceptional I mean Jamie McGrath's goal is it's one of the best goals I've seen in years like the the technique for it the vision for it and it's not like it's not smashing it it's it's not like even you know spying the goalie off his line or anything like that it, it's unbelievably good um and it's a bit of a cliche to be like, oh, you know, wrap up goal of the season already. But I, I can't. There was like physics involved in that that I don't quite understand. Um, yeah, and your instincts it, to it, think it, that the goalkeeper is too far off his line, but when you look at it, no, like McGrath's got a really small portion of the goal to get that in, and he he just fires it in brilliantly. That's it's it, it, it's yeah. I mean, I've got thoroughly enjoying watching him. Um, wherever he, I mean, you'd assume he's not going to be two months time. He will probably not be, certainly not at St Mirren. So enjoy him while he's while he's here. But like the the vision of that and the the kind of ability to spot that that's even on or and to and to try it, it yeah, brilliant. I'm surprised um, to hear it was just his second goal of the season, but he has still been putting in performances for. St Mirren this season it's, it's a really weird season for St Mirren as well there wasn't so long ago that they hadn't had won a game in a while and then the during the, the run where they, they've, they've beat Aberdeen uh, I think they went five games without losing and now they're on a run five games without a win or something like that it's, it's another team that's having a quite a strange season yeah I mean they're 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 sixth in the league they've got I think I'm right in saying the second worst goal difference in the league. Um, haven't won in five, but they're sixth in the league. They're they're you know they're probably they're above Hibs, they're above Aberdeen, above St Johnston, and they'd happily call it now. But it is an odd season for them. They don't seem to be as they seem easier to break down and a little bit more fragile than they were last season when you knew that they were that they were always in games last season and they just they they couldn't they didn't score enough to 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 make the top six. That was their, their big problem. This season they seem to be a little bit more free flowing, a little bit more creative. They've got a few more uh, players that are weighing in with with goals and have got a few more options up up front that don't seem to quite have the same um defensive solidity that that, that they did last year. Um and you know that 
th this is the kind of game that I think they would probably have won um, last season. They would not have conceded as good a, as good a goal as as Devon's equaliser was. Um, I think they would have probably cleared their lines a little bit quicker than they did. Yeah, you say that they're above Hibs, but Hibs, of course, have about a month in hand, don't they? So uh, I think uh, Hibs will be above them before uh, before too long. Well, Hibs have got to play, I think, a game every 20 minutes in December, so you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, it's like Rangers and that UEFA Cup run at the end of that season all <laughs> over again. It's like that's what Hibs have got in December. Um, you alluded to it there, but there was Nicky Devlin's goal as well. I mean, Jamie McGrath scores that goal, and we're like, okay, that's the kind of thing that he can do. But Nicky Devlin scores that kind of goal, and it's um, <laughs> it, it's it's not his forte, obviously, uh, taking shots at the goal. But it was one of those. I described it in the group chat when I when I first saw it as. Um, the SPFL version of that Pavard goal that he scored for France in Russia. I can't exactly <laughs> remember who it was against, but I don't. He obviously doesn't get the he doesn't get his leg up and volley it like uh, Pavard does there. But the way he catches it, I mean, for when it come for coming out the air like that, the connection he gets on that with the outside of his boot, and for it to just arrow right into the bottom corner, like it's just. It was straight as an arrow. It was unbelievable the the technique on that. Yeah, uh, just uh, I, I, first time I saw it, I was like that. The technique on that's unbelievably good. But I thought maybe the goalkeeper could have done a bit better with it. And then you see just how the technique on it, the 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 whip on it, the way, it, like the the bodies that it comes through and all sorts. It's unbelievably good goal. Um, and to kind of keep your cool to be able to do that when everyone else is just trying to hack things clear not exactly known as a, a goal scorer I think it was only his third goal in the last couple of seasons but um, quite a way to get one I think it was only his third goal for Livingston full stop and what have you been thinking about Livingston this season um, I did predict they would be bottom I think at the start of the season I predicted them for bottom or maybe uh, I definitely had them in Ross County in the bottom two um, but they've yeah, they, they've made me change my mind. I, I feel like um, it looks like he's got the finally got the workings of a squad and that kind of hubris that he displayed about will will not get relegated. Is, it, it's, it seems like there was something in it when he said it there because it was a bit of a sort of ragtag bunch he had at the start of the season. They, they did some of their business late. Um, he only had the same four defenders to choose from for the first five weeks of the season or something along those lines. They weren't filling their bench quite a bit. So I think um, I think he, it looks like he's right and he's kind of, there's a long way to go, but it, it looks like he's starting to kind of throw that back in quite a lot of people's faces and that there were legitimate reasons why they were, they, they hadn't started the season very well. Yeah, I mean, unbeaten in what five five or six games now in the league um, and looking a little more looking a little more threatening I think of I mean even when Livy were right at the bottom of the league if you looked at the differences between them Dundee and, and Ross County Ross County were getting a lot Ross County were, were getting a lot of credit but weren't necessarily but were, were like hemorrhaging goals um, Dundee were kind of getting a, lot, a little bit of credit and were hemorrhaging goals 
Livingston weren't getting an awful lot of credit, were losing an awful lot of games, but they were only losing them by the odd goal here or there. They've got a bit more of a, and they've got, they've got a better, they've got a more experienced squad. They've got a bit more quality in their squad than certainly Dundee and Ross County. I, I thought, like you, they would be, they would be down at the bottom of the, the league um, at the end of the season. I don't think they'll be. I don't think they'll be quite. They'll have quite the renaissance that they've had in the last two, where they've made like a real push towards Europe. But I think there's more than enough about them that they seem to have sorted some of the issues with the system. They seem to have. Um, they seem to be getting a bit more out of like Andrew Shinney and and um, Bruce Anderson, who, who not just in scoring goals, but just their kind of general all-round all-round play. Um, and I think that they're they lost a lot of games at the start of the season because of individual mistakes, and those seem to be being. Um, kind of they seem to have knocked that, that out of their game and Stracek made a couple of of high profile um mistakes earlier in the season and I think that's they've kind of stuck kept faith with him and he's he's had a good good run of games. I would be surprised if they were relegated. Yeah and they have a it seems like they have a to add to what you said about the you picking out a few players there. It seems like they've got a resilient manager. That's too real tests he's come through a real poor run of form and then starting the season like he has this season and he's come through both of them um, like I said there's still a long way to go this season obviously but it's starting to look quite positive for them I think that's us Tom that's going to be a bit later than I'd intended so apologies for uh, keeping you uh, from your bed we will see everybody again on Thursday there'll be people doing a main show there's plenty of stuff going up on Patreon there's also the review from the Terrace stuff to go <laughs> that's going up I was going to call it review from the Terrace Network but that's not right you know what I'm talking about. Go check all that out and watch a view from the terrace on Friday nights or catch up with it on iPlayer. Have you got anything else to add, Tom? Have I missed anything there? I think you've been thorough. It's a thorough and robust end to this podcast. Thanks. I mean, the, the rest of it wasn't. So, I mean, at least we've ended well. <laughs> Speak to you later, Tom. Speak to you later. Cheers. Sports Social Podcast Network. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%.